0: you are powerful beyond anything you can imagine and when you tap into mother earth right through your food through your feet through the air and you see that connection and realize that you are one like that's when we can achieve anything together hello hello
1: hello that was heather mcdougall this week's guest Thank you so much for listening to the Plant Remedy Podcast. This is your host, Bailey, and I'm so happy to be here. I took a little unintentional hiatus from the podcast just to be able to uh, finish my cookbook. And I'm just so happy to be back. So thank you so much for sticking with me. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so happy that you decided to play and try it out. Um, This episode is going to be amazing. I'm so happy to jump into year two of the Plant Remedy Remedy Podcast with Heather. Uh, We are talking about all things sustainability in this podcast. And this isn't going to be another sustainability podcast where we encourage you to use less plastic bags at the grocery store, but this is going to talk about real issues that so many people are facing along with the reality of plastics. Um, Let's say plastics versus glass is a great example. And, and zero waste. And if zero waste is actually possible or if it's a privileged idea. So this episode is so juicy. And before I just tell you everything in the intro, um, I'm just going to jump right in. I do want to let you guys know that we are hosting some epic plant-based holiday cooking classes. And they're all virtual, so you can take them from the comfort of your own home. Um, And we're just so excited about them. We have a sweets class, a cheese class. um, We've got my Polish class. And then we also have a... San Diego-inspired Friendsgiving class, where we will be donating 50% of the proceeds to indigenous communities that are in need this year. So, it's a really good time to give back, think about Thanksgiving in a whole new way, um, really think about the colonization of what Thanksgiving actually is, and um, yeah, just use this year, this holiday season, this podcast, as a time to learn and <clears throat> just open your eyes a little bit more to what's really going on in the world and how we as consumers and as humans on this planet can do our best to make a difference. So with all that said, if y'all want to join our cooking classes, go to www.chefbay.kitchen forward slash cook with me and you can sign up there. Without further ado, let's welcome Heather to the show. So I am sitting here with Heather McDougall. I'm so excited for this episode because we are talking all things sustainability. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Me too. Me too. I think sustainability is such like a almost a taboo topic. I think it's also really hard to talk about during a pandemic when I think sustainability is something that's not on the forefront of our minds. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of dive in and talk about things, sustainability, but also maybe talk about it from a lens that we haven't thought about before. So thank you for coming on and kind of diving into this topic with me.
0: Definitely, I agree. It's uh, even without a pandemic, Yeah. or without an election, or all of these things, Mm -hmm. uh, sustainability is such a, I think, huge topic because it really does connect to every single thing (laughs) that we do, and it can be difficult to wrap our heads around it, so I'm thrilled to talk about it.
1: Yeah, totally. So first off, I would love for everyone to just get to know you a little bit. So where are you from? Like how did you kind of get into this topic? Like I'd love to know a little bit about your history and like kind of what makes you like the sustainability guru, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in North Dakota mm-hmm. in a small town. Well, it's like one of the cities, but it's 15,000 people, so okay. it's a small town. <laughs> um but grew up there where um, I wouldn't say that we were like environmentalists, but it's a place that's very connected to the land uh there's a lot of you know hunting and fishing and farming, which you know has its has its like different perspectives on, but it does mean that as a community, everybody is very much aware of what's happening with mm-hmm. the land and the whole town functions around like what is what is happening in the environment so I think just growing up that way, I've even though it wasn't it wasn't environmentalism as maybe think of it as I maybe think of it now, it was definitely like ingrained in me. So there was that, and then as I went on through school, I realized that I had a really big passion for doing something with social change. I wasn't exactly sure what that would be. Um, I ended up going to law school. I was passionate about. Uh, the victims' rights of sexual crimes, did some lobbying work on that, eventually decided uh, working in the government is not the place that I want to be, it just Mm -hmm. didn't have the right energy, and found my way um, actually into entrepreneurship through a path. And along that way, um, that was in like uh, 2009 or so, and like An Inconvenient Truth had come out in 2006 yeah. and just started to become a lot more aware of how humanity is interacting with the planet. So just saying like these kind of paths of wanting to be involved in social impact somehow, right? navigating between <laughs> uh, government work, lobbying work, and then working for a venture capitalist, um, these things just all started to to converge. And actually food was my first major like step into understanding sustainability and the symbiotic relationship between everything. And yeah. it was from there that I just kept on going. That's awesome. And I think
1: like food, I mean, me too. I think I had an easier it's more obvious because I'm a chef, but like, it's something that we do all the time. We eat three times a day. We're always immersed in food. We're always thinking about our next meal. We're following food accounts. Like I think whether we like it or not, food is like such a part of our day-to-day minute by minute kind of like existence. You know, even we're talking here on this podcast and I have this whole like shelf of food behind me, you know? (laughs) So it's just like always immersed. And I think talking about sustainability for those listening, um, I think the best way and the most easiest way to start is to look at like your food, not just like what you're eating, but how how you're buying it and all of those things as well. So I think that's a really
0: awesome point that you just said of like food was your gateway into this. Absolutely. And I mean, there's so many ways that I think food is a really important
1: starting Mm. point.
0: I mean, everybody comes to sustainability. I think we learn about it in a different way. Maybe somebody comes at it from learning about, uh, you know, plastic pollution or others Mm -hmm. are on more of like a zero waste uh, life cycle or like kind of path or food. Mm -hmm. But eventually we start to see the connections of everything. And in food, some of the things I love so much is, especially when you start asking those questions of like where is this from right Right. how how does this interact with my body um you know you start to realize that you are the earth right we're from the earth and i like to say that your relationship with your food is really a direct reflection of your relationship with the planet
1: wow i'm gonna quote you on that for sure (laughs) (laughs) wow that's so true and i think like i think we are living in a time where we are so disconnected i think something that i've noticed and i think a lot of us have especially in the elections here in the us is how many people showed up to vote this year and that made me have some hope regardless of who people voted for It was more like, wow, people are starting to care about what's happening around them. And I think that is just a true testament to like, okay, maybe there is hope to where we as human beings can get a little bit more connected to each other, which I think is the first step. And then the next step from that is being connected to the earth, you know, and for so long we've been just kind of... I think 2020 has been a blessing in so many ways because we've been so asleep, you know. We've just been day to day, grinding, stressed out at work, doing the same things, you know. The holidays for me are very much the same, right? Like these traditions, we've been doing the same thing. After every Halloween, we always have to hear Christmas music for the first time and we're always annoyed <laughs> by it, you know, but there's like always so much <laughs> of the same, like every year we're in this same life cycle that it becomes when you're in so much of the same, I feel it's so hard to actually change because it's like you're swimming upstream And so I feel with 2020, it's been nice because so many people's lives have just been flipped upside down in one way or another, whether it's extremely tragic by losing a loved one to the pandemic or to mental health or losing your job or something as simple as not being able to go to yoga. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like these tiny little simple things that like we so much take for granted. I mean, I went to yoga for the first time since March three days ago, the day before they shut down all the yoga studios again. Oh
0: and I was gosh. in that
1: yoga class, like, oh my God, like I took this for granted. Like I had been doing this for 14 mm-hmm. years, four times a week and all year I haven't done it. And so not to dig- like go too far <laughs> on my point, but like i think that this is an incredibly potent time to talk about sustainability and change and our connection to the earth because i think more and more people are open and willing to be like okay how can we create a new type i don't like the word normal but like a new lifestyle a new
0: awareness around like our day-to-day life yeah you know there's like two things that are popping through my mind right now one is like this relation to this word hope mm. um and as i say that of course like the second one now is kind of oh is like our ability to is hum- human's ability to adapt and to change and right. those are two things that just as you were talking are are things too that i've observed and first on hope is something that when i'm you know public speaking or teaching or doing anything with sustainability one of the things that I talk about is that, yeah, you know, with the climate and with pollution and mass extinction and so many really tragic things happening, uh, it's very easy to get bogged down in a very anxious state, worrying about the future. It makes sense. Uh, But just for me, that the fact that humans have created so much harm, that fact is almost an empowering fact for me. In fact, like it is empowering because humans are able to cause that much destruction we're able to cause that much good Mm. we're able to you know change our minds and do something differently like we're so powerful we're not we're not the, the dominators but when we learn how to tap into our empowerment with the planet we can do amazing things and i think the to the point about change and what the pandemic has also revealed is we are capable of changing. You know, there's obviously, especially in the United States, a lot of disagreement (laughs) around how to adapt to COVID, but regardless, everyone has adapted in one way or another and um, you know, we're capable. Mm -hmm.
1: So I think
0: there's tons of reason to be hopeful for sustainability. And I just know that we can do it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I had this conversation with um, my client on Monday and she was, she works in um, biochemistry, pharmaceutical land. And she was talking about, she was like, you know, this next generation scares the shit out of politicians, scares the shit out of like, you know, capitalism as we know it, because our generation isn't doing it for money, right? Like we're in it for the change and for the purpose. And we, I think our generation truly believes, I mean, at least a lot of us think that if you are fueled by purpose, then your career and the money will follow. Right. But I think the older generation was much more like, okay, you, You go to college or even if you don't go to college, you get a trade and then you just work and you grind and you save money and you get a retirement and that's kind of your life. And now I think what's so inspiring and motivating is this next generation is like just mind blowing, especially the generation younger than us. I'm just like blown away by them, like having conversations with 19 year olds just about like, social economics and like all this stuff that like, I didn't give a shit about when I was 19. Like I was partying, like, you know, doing God knows what in San Francisco, but, um, it's really inspiring because it isn't going to be fueled around money. And I think that's the, like where we really are screwing up when it comes to our planet is because it's all driven by cash, right? It's a cash. It's like, why care about the environment when you can make X amount of money, you know? producing oil or fracking or whatever you want to talk about um so yeah I think that just gives me hope especially you know and I think that's why we had such a huge turnout in the elections this year because younger generations are just pissed off and they want. They don't want this world to be left by, like, all these old white men who don't care about, like, the future of the planet. They're like, no, we're here, we're awake, we're listening, we're watching, and we're doing something about it. And that just, like, even saying that kind of gives me chills because
0: I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, like, thank you.
1: Where has this been, you know?
0: It's like the beauty of evolution. Yes. And I think that that's one of the really also empowering things to, you know, uh, root ourselves in with sustainability, I I share you know, with, my, with my audiences that, you know, right now we are sustainable. We're in a loop of sustainability. It's just how efficient is that loop. Right. And that loop is, you know, our spiral, it's moving forward. It's all, it's just, we are part of the universe. We're part of the planet. And we're just, mm-hmm. we're, we're a piece of what influences the direction of of evolution and generations of people are part of that so it's like you know me you millennials are influenced by those who come before us and the ones who come after us are influenced and so it's this really awesome opportunity to like witness the power of evolution even on a human level yeah and uh, when you were talking about the economy and cash, this is an area too that I like really dork out on. I actually like today <laughs> was reading. Like, here's the book. Oh my uh, god! The cash economy. I mean, I when I was in law school, one of the things I studied was sustainable economic theory, and and I got really passionate about. Uh, well, the concept of value. And that, yeah, money is causing a lot of problems right now. And I, when I teach sustainability, I teach it in the way of like, you know, this like very common, like three-pillared Venn diagram of social values, environmental values, and economic values. And right now, to me, the the piece that I, why I get so excited about econ, like economic theory is because To me, I see that like our economies, what our economy is, it's the system through which we trade resources. Yeah. And what are the resources? They're human, right? Social or environmental. Those are the only resources we can have. Even chemicals have to come from something. Right. So our economic system, our money is just not valuing those resources fairly. Mm -hmm. and I can go (laughs) really down into that because to me and I like to say you know I (laughs) talk about it as like radically honest and kind of provocative things of like is capitalism itself the flaw or is the fact that our money is misvalued the flaw think about if money was actually like actually included all the values of the environment and all the values of humanity in it, well, then more money would be good. And corporations would see valuing
1: those things as a reason to invest, you know? And you know, that's something I, like back to that conversation with that client, that's something that we were talking about as we were talking about pharmaceuticals. And I've been doing a lot of, I'm like back in school right now for um, nutrition from like a science perspective. Just basically for plant-based. And what I've been looking at is like, there's no clinical trials for, you know, whole food plant-based healing. There's like none, Mm -hmm. you know, they're very, very few and far between. And the reason for that is because it's not a valued currency. Like nobody wants to fund a clinical trial because they're not going to profit off of people just healing from... Food, you know, like healing from agriculture, healing from the things that we have that come from the earth. Instead, people profit off of treating symptoms, right? And that's just another way to look at just what you were talking about is like what money is actually valuing, valuing, you know, it's valuing like the benefit from pharmaceuticals and how much you can charge for a pharmaceutical versus benefiting off of you know, organic farming, (laughs) which is like, you know, I think we could get to a point where like, you know, the organic farming industry could be the ones who are, you know, getting the investors to like do the clinical trials on like not having glyphosate in your food and like what that can do. You know, there's so many different things that we can talk about, but I totally agree with you in the fact that like, I don't think it's a capitalism problem. I think capitalism is great, you know, especially even just going back to that thought of pharmaceuticals, like most of the pharmaceuticals in the world are made here because of our capitalistic society, because people actually want to invest in pharmaceuticals because they make money here. Um, so it's like, how can we shift the way that we look at what our money values and doing so to actually like help humanity, like actually help us, like actually help heal what's happening. Because when you start to heal humans, I truly feel, that you start to heal the world too. Like, like go back to the glyphosate, like how fricking toxic is glyphosate for everything, for soil, for the air, for humans, for planet, for the planet, like, but the reason why it's still being used is because you can get more money by using glyphosate. So it's just kind of like, how can we shift the narrative to like having organic produce be more valuable, you know? And and just it's a thousand so things. <laughs>
0: No, it's just, I mean, yeah, like a million thoughts went through my head, but it's, and that's the thing is like, okay, yes, it's our value. And I like really anchor in that because mm-hmm. that's something we can shift and we are shifting it. Yeah. I agree. You know, I mean, it's, it's a slow arc and there are things we could do to make it go faster. <laughs> I mean, I really like, I'll say this, like I don't, I don't watch Jeopardy. I don't know. I don't really like watch TV, but a couple years ago, there was some guy on Jeopardy who was like a sports better. Do you remember this? He was like winning a Mm majillion episodes in a row. Anyway, I don't know why I know this, but my point is like, like these like, uh, betters like sports betters, or I I don't know. He, he bets on something to do with like the fractions of in between risk or Mm, probability. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm saying it's like the most complex math you can kind of imagine. It's like if people can do that, certainly there's a way we can figure out like how to value things differently. It's mm-hmm. just like a matter of will.
1: Oh, so definitely there's, matter
0: of will. there's like, yeah. <laughs> there's totally a way and that's why I think coming back to that idea of connecting and yeah. connecting with each other and connecting with the planet and A lot of the practices that I teach are very energetic and like spiritually based, also rooted in science. But like, if we can become more empathetic to the planet, you know, to each other, the more we do that, then the more we care and the more our value just naturally starts to shift. The more Mm -hmm. our mindset becomes open to talking about something like thermoeconomics, which is basically using thermodynamics. So the study of energy and creating a value that you can use as currency. So yes. And with farming, I'll say this, that the thing that came to my mind with it was, so growing up in North Dakota, it's, um, you know, mega industrial farming now. I mean, it used to be, of course, family farms, but not anymore. Mm -hmm. And there are farmers who are slowly, just a few farmers starting to adopt uh, a lot more like regenerative or sustainable farming techniques by, you know, planting different grasses and rotating crops and kind of going back to the way it was. But what they're starting to learn is that actually with old methods mixed with, you know, the science of how can we apply these methods more efficiently, Mm -hmm. their yields are actually better and I don't know exactly if that's because the like the costs you know I don't know if it's like a financial thing like they're not paying as much for other like chemicals and whatnot I don't know exactly how the economics work out but yeah yeah, it's really fascinating to see but it's so systemic right the way that all of the companies are like layered in with each other and it creates this like codependency situation that's tough for uh, farmers to break out of
1: yeah yeah that's so true i know i can't even imagine like you know when i started what really got me interested in just all of this in general like even way before i was interested in veganism was really learning about monsanto and farmers Mm -hmm. and that was like so eye-opening to me because like my whole career, my whole education was based on food, but I really didn't know anything about the food, you know, when it comes to like where it came from and, you know, the struggle that so many small farmers have, like there's no way that they, you know, could stand up to a company like Monsanto, especially when it comes to like being sued by them, um, owning seeds. Like the idea that a company can own a seed is just like so ridiculous to me, Mm -hmm. you know, GMOs, all that stuff. So that was like kind of my initial entrance into like caring about environmentalism, caring about my own body enough to be like, wait, what is actually going on here? You know, like this is really ridiculous. I feel like, you know, you start to unlift the veil, like layer by layer by layer. And you're kind of like, you start to look around and see this world that you've been living in that you just haven't been seeing. And for me, like the farming was like that first veil that Mm -hmm. was like, whoa, this is really intense, and it feels like something that's really hard. If you kind of it can feel helpless, you know. When you talk, we talk about environmentalism, we talk about politics, we talk about economics, we talk about all these things. It can feel it can feel overwhelming. Like I just took a big breath. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. But I think what can truly change, and at least for me, what could really change was my own compassion towards myself and towards my relationship with myself and my own healing, because, you know, this is something that we were talking about the other day, is that like you as a single person, a single consumer, you actually matter so much more than you might think that you do. And I think before we talk about our connection to other people, our connection to the world around us or the environment, like what is that connection with yourself? Because if you're missing that connection and that compassion to yourself, um, the rest is going to become so much harder. You know, it's going to be such a a bigger struggle.
0: Yeah, it it, uh, reminds me, you brought up yoga. And I, yeah, same, I started practicing yoga, um, gosh, yeah, like 16 years ago Mm -hmm. now. And I think, and that was before, that was before an inconvenient truth. Yeah. But that that's definitely played a major part as well in my philosophies of of sustainability because of what I think you're saying, it's that awareness of the self and that like by loving yourself you start to see that you are one with everything. Mm-hmm. And that compassion for yourself or for me at least, compassion for myself, then basically I don't want to use the word forced, but <laughs> it just naturally turned into compassion for other people. Of course, right. it's a practice and I'm like human and flawed and make judgments and try not to. But that idea of like self-love and self-reflection and then connection as one, uh, thats that was a, and is like a very major component to me. And continuing on from there and getting deeper into spirituality and honestly the science of spirituality, the mm-hmm. facts of like thinking of quantum physics and other quantum sciences that show like we literally are one, we are made of the same like pieces of universe. Right. And and so even on a very scientific level, like we like you said, our individual self really does matter because our actions matter as humans and like our fibers are very being like not it vibrates <laughs> with with the rest of the world sending out ripples electromagnetically mm-hmm. we send out signals and uh, yeah. Yeah, big stuff, but we matter. Totally.
1: Like, you matter. And, like, you know, even – it's been such a heavy time, and I can feel, you know, the energy around. On certain days, it feels lighter. Like, okay, my neighborhood's, like, in a good vibe today. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, like, night of the election, it was so tense. Like, those three days, it was, like, hard to, like, wake up and be, like, just a functioning human being, you know? And I think there are so many people – Who, and I was one of those people for a really long time who are stuck in the cycle of like pain, prescriptions, fast food, and Mm. the cycle just continues. You know, it's this kind of cycle of like pain, prescriptions, food, and it kind of like goes round and round and round. And the prescriptions depend on like, you know, what you're dealing with. But I think really like looking at yourself and your own healing is like such a good place to start, especially if you have like any inkling towards environmentalism or towards sustainability or anything like looking at your own healing can really help you kind of understand the idea of holistic healing, the idea that like we are not supposed to be sick forever. Like the amount of people that are chronically sick is just like so crazy to me. It's like mind blowing actually, you know, and I was one of those Mm -hmm. people for 15 years. And so, yeah, I think if, if you're listening and you don't know where to start, I think looking at your own self and your own healing is like such a good, a good place. Cause for me, like looking at my healing changed my food. Now I like try not to even touch anything that's like not organic, but not only that, then I stopped using like super toxic house cleaners, you know, then I changed the way that I Mm -hmm. like, buy my makeup you know all of those things kind of started changing and those tiny little tweaks every single day like if everyone started making those tweaks it would be like a massive change
0: definitely it's like and those effects are felt like you're saying on the individual level and on your health for Mm -hmm. sure like 100 percent. and then you know where where i think about it is also on our like thought patterns right. and like our habits and that we like reprogram our minds to in a way like to be valuing something else and the truth about like at real like true sustainability I'm going to like talk a little bit about zero waste for a second yeah. because I think that it's like there gets to be a point where doing things sustainably is absolutely better for your health and you feel it and it is better for the planet but also that i think things like zero waste can get to a point where they i don't know almost have like a diminishing return because like when you so maybe i will not should have but I haven't said this yet. I am a co-founder and CEO of a sustainable product company. And through that, I, it's called Bogo brush. We make like plant like toothbrushes out of plant-based plastics. And the mission for that was to, well, help people connect to the planet and to each other every day, just even mentally you're picking up your product, but also is to learn more about what are the systems within sustainability and products, you know how does that life cycle of supply chain really function and that's why i'm saying like with zero waste it's like the system that's making those products that are zero waste are so complex that what we think is actually like what we're being told is good for the environment a lot of times really isn't
1: I that do. much better yeah when
0: you take a look at the whole thing i, I still like those i still like zero waste because i think like I said, it does like remove a lot of garbage and a lot of things, but also because it trains your mind to be thinking about sustainability as an issue, but then to make the next like evolution of progress, we need to become comfortable looking at, looking at the systems that are there. And like, there's an example I give, um, about like plastic water bottles versus glass bottles. Um, which I feel like I've been talking for like ever right now, but I can go into it right now if you want. (laughs) Okay, sweet. No, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Um, That, um, yeah, plastic creates lots of pollution. There's tons of harmful things about it. But at the same time, if you compare like a plastic bottle and a glass bottle, actually the entire life cycle of those two, uh, when you look at say something like carbon emissions, actually the glass bottle has a much like higher level of carbon output than a plastic bottle. And it has to do with the way that those two products are manufactured and the resources that are used. Glass is very heavily resource intensive and it's, way heavier so depending on how far these like bottles are getting shipped actually a plastic bottle will reduce so much greenhouse gas emissions from transportation alone so it's like i'm not saying everybody rush out and go buy a bunch of like plastic bottles because they're better i'm just saying it's not as like straightforward as we think Mm -hmm. it is because there's so many layers to it and that (laughs) that can um, like create some anxiety in itself because it's like, well, what the hell am I supposed yeah. to do then? But what I teach and I call it eco empowerment is that we have to just ultimately we have to choose what feels right for us. And we have to look forward to what we think we want. So right. Yeah focus on a glass bottle but know that that's not the perfect solution if you feel super passionate about trying to find a way to make glass more energy efficient or right finding a solution there and right. that's your passion and go after it but that our eco empowerment lies in trusting you don't have to solve it all yourself you get to anchor into Really, I call it the voice of nature and who you are at your core and like your innate power to influence the planet and that your passion, your purpose, right, for you, food and teaching and healing, like you doing that is your sustainability mission. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's when you're anchored in that you're doing way more for the planet than probably somebody who is worrying about trying to be perfect on every zero-waste, plastic-free, you know, kind of, I'll call them surface-level uh, sustainability practices at this point in the evolution.
1: Well, I have so many things I want to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do I even start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, so let's just go back to the simple glass-versus-plastic thing because like how does one move forward because we all know about plastic in the ocean right and at least we know if glass goes in the ocean it does kind of break down right um over a long time but so like how do we move forward out of our addiction to plastic as we know it into a more sustainable way of creating plastic because like we talked about the other day there are Plastic has done great things for us in moving forward technology, you know, like moving food, like you talked about the other day, like cars, right? Like it's done so much for us, but the problem is that we've become, I think our society based around the idea of convenience has really like kind of fucked us over in that sense, Um, especially around like our our addiction to single-use plastics. That's very Mm -hmm. um, just ridiculous. So how do we move forward in a way that feels empowered, you know, as a society getting around this addiction to plastic? And do you really think that the addiction to plastic is ever going to change or do you think it's more around finding more sustainable
0: plastics to use? Yeah. I, a few things there. I like to talk about our like human's relationship with plastic as mm-hmm. plastic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are some, like some uses where like, let's so first of all, plastic is a huge term. Mm-hmm. And actually it's uh, <laughs> if you think like from a design perspective, so like uh, product design or industrial design, plastic is actually not a material. It's a property. It represents a material that can be molded, like we know of a plastic. So I mean, that's getting super fine and picky. But it, it, it matters in the sense that when we so much in culture, we talk about plastic, and we're really referring to petrochemical plastic, right? stuff that comes from oil, which is To my other point here is drastically undervalued like plastic has plastic is one of the things in the in the world uh, that should be way more expensive than Mm -hmm. it is. So we have a value problem there. And I'll, I'll talk about that in in just a second, but is what are those uses where a petrol based plastic is like absolutely crucial for? There might be something. I don't know what it is uh, yet, but like medical maybe supplies, some... maybe. Yeah, something mm-hmm. that uh, like a plastic or a plant-based plastic or other innovative material can't quite can't quite yet replace. So I think it's like finding the right uses for the right materials and aligning them appropriately. So that's one thing. Um, innovation in materials. I mean, there's no such thing as perfect yet. I work in a uh, like sustainable plastics space, but there's a lot of innovation happening. And we're trying to find new materials that replicate the way a petrol-based plastic works so that we can start to ease, like you were mentioning, our addiction to petrol-based plastic. So supporting products like, I mean, bogo brush, Uh, or any other product that is in that advancement of other bio-based materials that can replace. Plastic is huge.
1: Um,
0: And so just a note on like the value of plastic. I did this comparison. So one one economic, uh, like a, uh, what am I trying to say? One part of pricing in economic theory is like right, the concept of scarcity, which basically it's supposed to say that scarcity, the more scarce something is, so the less of it that there is, the more expensive it will be in the economy, that the economy just is naturally gonna take care of it, right? Um, that's yeah. what in economic theories that they say, but that's not true all the time because humans really like you know, F it up. And I did this like comparison between actually gold and oil to see what is the value difference. And I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. But basically, I compared how much gold is there in the planet, and how much oil is there in the planet. And actually, there is way more gold than there is oil. Yet, gold is like i feel like it's like a hundred thousand times more expensive than oil is so it's upside down you know it's like oil is rare the amount of energy it takes to get it out is incredible like oil should be so expensive it should be one of the most expensive things on the planet and so if we can align our value more appropriately then a plastic bottle wouldn't be freaking cheap it would be like i don't know 80 dollars 400 dollars i'm mm-hmm. not quite sure i haven't gotten that far on the map but you know you see my point so i think it's aligning value with the real resources so thinking about the earth and what like what is this material actually like it's not plastic can we learn to love plastic can you look at your whatever piece of plastic it is and just love the hell out of it? Like, holy shit, you came from like underneath the rocks and people like spent so much energy and time to create you into this thing that I'm just going to now throw away. Like, I love you energy that is in this plastic. And thank you so much. I'm sorry that we are treating you this way and like develop this emotional relationship with these things that we've started to vilify and we'll start to feel the real value and start to understand like where where do these materials have alignment in our life and where do they not wow like that's such a such a different
1: perspective on plastic that I just don't really know if I've ever heard before, especially in the way that you just spoke about it. Um, And that is so, so true. I think, you know, even our own inherent value of how we see plastic, we see it as something that is just so, you know, you know, in our way almost like it's just there. We don't want it to be, we don't know what to do about it. We, you know, see so many videos of people cleaning plastic out of the oceans and you know I think there's so much that we've seen that plastic how it's damaging and harming but to think about the resource and where it comes from and how much energy it takes to get it and to really see it in a way that it's not this just like thing to just like you know kind of disregard um, I think can be really eye-opening and changing in that sense as well. And to then look at, you know, greener plastics that can kind of do the same thing, but that doesn't come from such um, an undervalued resource. And I think that, yeah, it's interesting. Like, do you think that it's possible to get away from our dependency on oil as it stands?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have the answer, but anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: So going back to zero waste, talking about possibilities, do you think that living like a zero waste lifestyle is realistic in this world today?
0: Mm. I think a zero waste lifestyle is privileged and that some people maybe can. But again, how far back do you want to trace it? Mm. How was that? I don't know. What's something zero waste? I literally (laughs) thought of you the other day. Um, so, you know, we chatted
1: last week about this podcast and I thought of you the other day because I got this kit from this, you know, people send me the most random stuff and I got this zero waste kit from this company and it was like this bamboo brush thing, you know, for like your dishes and it was just sitting there. We don't use it very much, but it got so disgusting and so moldy just from being mm-hmm. like around the sink that we had to throw it away. And I was just kind of like, and I thought about you and what we had talked about with zero waste products. And I was like, whoa, this like wasn't sustainable at all. Because if I had had a plastic product, it wouldn't have molded the way that that bamboo product did. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking about like all of, you know, you like even that one little conversation that we had, like me looking at this moldy brush and <laughs> Steve, Steve, my husband was like, we need to throw this away. And I'm just like, but uh,
0: wait yeah.
1: kind
0: of like- <laughs> but the bamboo that was grown now I love that bamboo <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's the thing when like with wooden products even so bogo brush our very first launch was with a wooden product and we ended up abandoning it because of exactly this reason wooden toothbrushes sitting in bathrooms sitting in drawers I'm like that they get moldy I mean people can use them I I don't, I use ours of course, but I'm just saying it's this kind of a thing. And also with a lot of like wooden brushes, especially thinking about the manufacturing of them, like our experience was that we were losing over 50% of our like product, our handles, Like our scrap rate was 50% because when the bristles were going into the the holes, some of it, it just depends. If one little fiber is off, boom, the head was shattering. So for us, like shipping bamboo from China, losing half of them in manufacturing and then having customer complaints about them getting moldy, like that's not sustainable. That's not, that's not a way to build something. It doesn't mean there isn't a solution for having wooden, you know products in places that are wet Mm -hmm. like that's not what i'm saying it's like we just have to make the best decisions we can at any given time and move forward and then be open be open to change um but i forget what there was a question in there
1: (laughs) oh i don't know wow i have
0: forgotten
1: that's okay okay. oh i was talking about (laughs) zero waste is zero waste possible yeah hmm
0: and I was saying that like I think it's um, on the one hand privileged, yeah. which I can touch on a little bit um, and also yes, like is it really zero waste like trace that all the way back I mean I just kind of described some of the things that I've encountered with something like a wooden brush you know there's there's more to it right like, like how most like for instance with bamboo they use glue to layer it together to make it a stock bamboo is very thin it's a mm. hollow Piece of grass. So they have to use tons of water to flatten it and then they glue it together to make it into a board. So, you know, like what's the process behind this? And it's just asking those questions again. We have to like, we have to make a decision. If buying, if like having a wooden product that you're cleaning your dishes with feels better for you, then do it because your emotional health matters as well. Yeah. But just know that there's no such thing as perfect. There's just no such thing as perfect. Um, so do the thing that empowers you, right? Let go of the judgment of somebody somebody else's path with it because we don't know, right? We don't know how their relationship is. But the reason I say that zero waste is privileged is not to say you shouldn't do it. But you know a lot of my work, um, aside from bogo brushes, I used to travel a lot and <laughs> yeah. meet with communities R. I. around P. the world. <laughs> yeah, right? God. Uh, I used to travel and meet with communities and, uh, you know, talk about sustainability. For me, it was like learning. What does sustainability mean in Madrid? What does sustainability mean in Abu Dhabi? What does sustainability mean in the Maldives? And like, as I would go to different places, one of the things that became very clear to me is that not everybody has access to zero waste products, even in the United States. Of course, just like food, you know, so to say that zero waste is going to be the solution, like, there's other things we need to address (laughs) before zero waste can even be something that people have access to. Um, And Then there's just other problems in other parts of the world where it's like some places, like for instance, in the Maldives. So I partner there with with a bunch of locals on uh, food freedom. It's called the Food Freedom Project. And one of the things they face is a huge plastic pollution epidemic. Uh, The Maldives are islands in the Indian Ocean Mm -hmm. and they're the lowest lying islands the lowest lying country in the entire world. They're like the highest points, two meters above water. They're literally the front line of climate change. But they also have so much imports due to their huge tourism um, dependency, and they have a lot of plastic waste. And these local islands are a lot of the local islands have just started getting trash only in the last like couple decades and they're not equipped with an education standpoint or an economic standpoint to even be able to deal with the waste that they do have so it's like there's a long arc before something like zero waste can be the solution for the world.
1: That's that's kind of crazy so like could you tell me a little bit more about like specifically in the Maldives like what they're facing I mean are they facing you know especially since tourism has pretty much been shut down um like what does a country like that like what are they experiencing right now in 2020 because I know that we get so caught in our own little bubbles and what we're experiencing but to kind of look from a greater standpoint of how like a country like the Maldives that's so small that's kind of in the middle of nowhere like how how are they being negatively affected by what's happening right now
0: Yeah. So of course, you know, I learned through my friends and colleagues there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, you know, I'm telling their story, but uh, for them, uh, most of their economy depends on tourism. So there's other places in the world that are similar. So when the borders close due to COVID, you know, they're basically their entire economy shuts down Uh, in the Maldives with that has brought to light is a lot of things. But one of the major ones is actually food access that Mm. almost, almost every piece of food that is eaten in the Maldives, with the exception of, I think it's like fish and maybe coconut and some fruits, but it's like almost all like over 90 some percent of the food is imported. So when tourism stops, imports stop and people don't have access to food the islands are so spread out they're tiny little islands and there's one main central island it's male and that's where everything goes through but when the borders are closed and people can't leave their remote islands to get to the center island how do you get food and resources to them how do you get food and resources when they're not coming into the country and if they are the cost is crazy high so Mm -hmm you know, you're having, yeah, food, (laughs) you're having food issues. Um, They've opened their borders to tourists, but the locals still can't travel, which is uh, very challenging for them, because they feel like they're kind of stuck in their own country. Like, they can't go from island to island. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well,
1: that's so interesting, because, like, I, you know, I follow a couple travel bloggers, and, like, I know one of them recently went to the Maldives, and, like, I love this perspective that you're giving me because she's over here talking about like how the food is terrible. And she's, you know, at the Four Seasons talking about how the food is so terrible. And it's this perspective of like, okay, well like how privileged are you to be at the Four Seasons probably staying for free because you're posting it on your Instagram. And then you're talking about this country that is like immensely struggling with food insecurity right now. And you're talking about how inconvenienced you are because the food is terrible which is just like such an interesting perspective on how freaking out of touch we are with what's actually going on in the world, especially to a place that you're traveling to, you know what I mean?
0: Exactly, the Maldives is a really interesting place in that there's other places in the world that are, you know, have these problems too, but Maldives is so unique because the islands are so small that in most cases, if you're at a resort, that's the only thing that's on the island. If- yeah you're so you're only you're only seeing that you're not coming into contact with like local maldivian life so you don't you don't see it it's similar when you go to other places and you're like at all inclusive resorts and you don't make an effort to like i call it traveling with purpose yeah this was something i would do and was actually <laughs> planning to launch this year was a traveling with purpose <laughs> like guide but here we are in 2022 <laughs> But is yeah when when we don't connect to each other right we don't we don't see it and we are we do get stuck in our bubble i mean we all have a bubble of something of course um and that can lead to like when you start seeing things that can lead to anxiety i think it's uh you know i teach a lot of different practices for working through your anxiety and then coming back into like who you are and seeing seeing each other. What's that thing that's giving you anxiety? What's the story that it's telling you? And how can you reframe it into something that you want to try to influence? And to Mm -hmm. what degree, you know, or is that taking your power away? Is your empathy sucking your power away from you? And if you're not causing like direct harm to it, you can send good energy and love, but we have to set boundaries. And I think that's a problem with sustainability is we feel like we have to solve it all. And I think like, you, (laughs) I don't know if this directly connects, but one thing that's coming through and I like to say is like, you can care about sustainability. You can care about the planet and not feel like shit. Mm -hmm. Like feeling like shit about it, worrying what you're not doing. Like that's not going to help anything. Feeling guilty is not going to help anything.
1: Yeah, I interviewed um, this amazing animal activist Same Seb Alex, and I just interviewed him last night, actually. Um, I think his episode will come out after yours, but I was talking to him. um, He is is a full-time animal activist, and that was a lot of, like, a, a question that I asked him and kind of something I was really interested in is, like, how do you, like, move forward? You know, like... Once you become so educated on injustices that are happening in the world, and in Mm -hmm. his case, animal welfare, and that's something that I connect with very much as well too, but also environmentalism, once you become super aware about what's happening, it is really hard. And I wrote that down as your empathy sucking your power away from you, because how do you move forward? Like, how do you wake up in the morning? How do you not let it affect your mental health so much that it, it paralyzes you? Because I think that you know the state of the world can feel very paralyzing
0: mm-hmm. i talk about empathy like in my eco empowerment um mm-hmm. like classes workshops uh i talk about it as there's like empowered empathy and overactive empathy
1: yeah
0: and that's our that's our work to to see it you know especially as people who are like empaths or Um, yeah, people who care about the world, we're always going to be, we're always going to be playing that line. Mm -hmm. And that's good. It's just preparing ourselves with a toolkit. It gives us like the questions we can ask and uh, just quick check-ins to help us trust our path and know that when we send like, you know, send whatever you want to call it, a prayer, a meditation, a thought, like there's even science behind that. Yeah. You know, there's like leaders like Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza or Dr. Bruce Lipton and others, right? There's science to our thoughts. They create vibrations, they do create impact. So know that even when it's something outside of your empowered space, it doesn't mean you're not having a positive impact and that by you standing in your power fully, in your zone of genius, you're doing more than by letting your empathy scatter you to all of these different places. (sighs) That's great.
1: I love that. Mm. Um, so let's like move a little bit into like what's on everyone's minds right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the holidays are a huge place where we neglect sustainability, where we neglect, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like, most ethics I think (laughs) around food family like I don't know I think it's just like the holidays come around and everything just gets tossed out the window and so I'd love to talk about like your tips for being sustainable over the holidays something as simple as like you know gifts that we choose to buy for people to you know food to plastics like I would love to hear your take on what you
0: think about sustainability in the holidays hmm so i think the number one thing that comes up uh to me at least about sustainability in the holidays is wrapping paper mm. like what to do about wrapping paper so <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> uh i'll just like address that like briefly and um i'll share these like tips i'll share even more of them and like some resources so you can share them with your your audience as well but i know with wrapping paper it's uh, a lot there's there's some tests you can do with wrapping paper so like first of all if things have like foil or glitter like that's not something that's recyclable um if it's like really thick and glossy most likely that's not recyclable it's laminated which means it's like sheets of fibers glued together Um, and then there's also a test you can do where if you scrunch up the paper if it stays in a ball, then it's most likely like paper, you can recycle it. If it doesn't, then it's some sort of synthetics, and mm. it's not recyclable. So if you want to use wrapping paper, look for things like that, or buy like newsprint, or just like straight paper. Um, but I like to do things with paper with with uh, wrapping where it's like, I don't know, buy something that's in an interesting box and use a reusable, mm-hmm. uh, like, or buy a scarf that you can wrap around it or do mm-hmm. something that's reusable. So there's all kinds of tips out there around around that. But I think wrapping paper is, is probably a huge source of waste. Well, it's so uh,
1: problematic. It's so ridiculous, like, how that became, like, such a thing. I remember as a kid, we would always wrap our presents in – um, like brown paper. we my dad would get like those huge brown paper rolls and then we would like color on them. And like, it was yes, so much us fun. Too. Yeah. And then <laughs> I don't know, sometime around like 2000, it was like, okay, that's out the window. That's not good anymore. And like all these like really interesting synthetic wrapping papers came to life. Whoever, whoever's idea that was like Bro, I wish you would have not done that. <laughs> you know what I mean, like,
0: can we well, like? I said it's bro. <laughs> yeah, so that
1: it probably is. No, it's... probably. Let's be real. <laughs> so it's just kind of now. I'm gonna look into invented that. Um, so yeah, it is just kind of like a. I don't know it's just so ridiculous to me you know but it's but it's also aesthetics now like people are very concerned about aesthetics and the way things look and like you know how your how your tree is themed or whatever and i think like the wrapping paper goes as much into those aesthetics so it's kind of like thinking about like okay like can we shift like what we care about from aesthetics to like still caring about aesthetics but like also fit in newspaper or brown
0: paper to your
1: aesthetic, you
0: know? Or like one thing I did one year is I had some like extra paper bags from the grocery store. I mean, I use reusable bags, but sometimes, right, you end up with paper or whatever. Just like turn it inside out and wrap it up, wrap your, wrap Mm -hmm. your thing with that. Or yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. It's just ask yourself, you know, like, is this reusable? Is this recyclable? You can definitely find things that are Mm -hmm. (laughs) both of those things. Yeah. So opt for that. I mean, like gifts. um, Again, I think you can like Google sustainable holiday tips or tips, like gift tips, and these things will also come up. But it's true, like experiential, like get, get something that people can do. Uh, Even if it's like a pass to like a museum or the zoo or i don't know if this is still a thing but for a while there was a there was a thing where you could like subscribe to a movie pass Well, probably, i don't know people probably aren't going to movies anymore no. but it's like 10 bucks a month and you could go to like three movies a month yeah it's, like way cheaper you know so anyway things that people can do uh edible things all right um and i think just being extra mindful about like who who are you gifting to I know we talked the other day about like you're going to send, like going to a house or going to a party which again may not happen this year but still you have friends you want to send things to like being really intentional and like sitting down and deciding who they are and what you like about them and that can obviously create moments of mindfulness for you and help you like tune into who they are which as we've said connection to people is just as much a part of sustainability as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which can I then think...
1: help you like not buy something that then they will just throw away or give away. Cause I think that happens so often where people will just want to like buy lots of presents and have a prethra and have all these things to open. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think where we get into like interesting territory is when you're just buying something for the sake of buying something rather than like, yeah buying something because, like, you know that this
0: person is going to love it, you know? A couple things. Do you know the, you probably know Brightland, like, olive oil? No. It's, like, a, it's a really, like, design-focused olive oil company. They do things with a really keen aesthetic and um a responsible nature to them right now they have a really cool like special edition with an organization i love for sustainability called the slow factory okay um but check them out brightland olive oil and the slow factory they have a cool i'm not paid to say this <laughs> they have a cool like label basically where they've designed it together that shows where the olives came from to go into your bottle Whoa. of olive oil yeah but things like that like i i read years ago like bring a bottle of like nice olive oil to someone's house or if they like truffle oil or like oh my god like yeah that. that's genius yeah and then i um i also like was just thinking about food and thinking about something like if you're decorating your table like what can you use to decorate your table with like something edible and i had this idea i haven't tried it yet but like what if your centerpiece was like bunches of greens and vegetables, so like a bunch of kale and some Mm -hmm. herbs and whatever, and that was just your centerpiece. And then people could like tear off of it to make their own like salad or their own garnishes for their food. So it's like this really interactive tactile experience because touch with nature and touch with earth is a huge piece of sustainability as well. So just like thinking about that, like, foods and what do we actually need and how can you kind of spin it to make it something a little bit fun. Also Google like sustainable, whatever XYZ thing you're looking for to give to somebody. There's some great blogs out there. I love one called the good trade, especially if you're looking for clothes and fashion, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'll say when you're buying things, um, always ask who made it Mm. and always ask who's getting paid. I think those are the two to me most important questions because if people are getting paid fairly and you know you can you can see who is making it or like where it's being made, what factory it's being made at. I mean, with BOGO Brush, we list all of our manufacturing partners right on our website. Yeah. These are exactly the people. So like if you're if the brand is going to that trouble they're probably doing things as well as they can for their for their circumstances
1: yeah that's something Um, that i really looked at um when
0: i was looking for my wedding dress
1: because there's mm -hmm. so many like the wedding dress industry is really interesting because it is something that you wear once And sometimes, you know, people sell them, but majority, like 90% of the time, it's something that gets worn once and gets, it just sits in a closet, which I guess it doesn't get thrown away. So I don't know if it's really contributing to (laughs) waste because it's more of like waste in your own closet. But for me, that was really important. was like, okay, exactly those two questions, who made it and who's getting paid? Because it's like so many of those wedding dresses from David's Bridal or whatever, when I was doing research on it are, you know, being made in factories from severely underpaid workers and crazy working conditions. And it's like, you know, something like your wedding dress, totally going onto a different topic for a second, but you know, it's something <laughs> that's like so energetic. Your wedding is such an energetic moment, you know? Um, and to be wearing something that doesn't have the same energetics that align with like your yes. values that you're going into feels very like kind of ridiculous. So Yeah, those two questions, who made it and who's getting paid is like such, those two questions alone, I think are such a great way to become empowered as um, a consumer. Because once you know those two questions based on a certain product, I feel it's like you're going to have to keep researching the same product over and over again. Like once you know, you kind of know. So, you know, going into it, it might feel a little overwhelming and doing research and all that stuff. But eventually you'll just become empowered and educated on what you're buying and it won't feel
0: as hard. Totally. And there's like, depending on what you're buying, especially, I mean, I think clothes or like textiles, things like that. There's a lot of really uh, emerging shops and like yeah. online or in mm-hmm. person that, you know, they're bringing in products that are made from a very specific place that they know of. So it can you can find it and you mentioned the energetics and there's two things I'll say about the energetics as you go into like holidays or a wedding because it's kind of the same thing right you know you're gathering all these people and like putting a lot of focus on it but is when you're considering purchasing something as like a gift or you're preparing your menu or Um, You're setting, setting the space, kind of like we talked about with what's the real value of plastic, what's the real value of like the oil that went into that Mm -hmm. product is just ask yourself, like, how much energy went into creating this item? And do I think that what I'm paying for it is like fairly representing it? and you won't probably have the answer but energetically that's a really important question is because it helps you connect with the energy physical and emotional of all things and that's the foundation of what sustainability is is asking us to see ourselves in everything Um, and one specific practice that i do um, and i'm gonna do like a week-long kind of community participation in this is I call it gratitude your garbage. So I would like highly recommend to everybody listening before you really start getting into any like gift giving or uh, like buying or setting the stage <laughs> uh, is practice one week of gratitude your garbage. And what I mean by that is to every time you throw something away say thank you to it. Just say thank you. You don't need to think overly hard about it just do it. If something comes to you, you want to write it down. Great. If not no big deal. And just watch what happens over the course of that, the course of that week. Um, I still do that, like, to this day, not necessarily every day, but I can tell when I'm not doing it. And the way that I'm interacting with the world around me when I'm not doing it. So I think it's a great way to help you get into that mindset of like, gratitude and generosity and love for what you're interacting with. And that will set you up for just a really empowered, rich experience, however you're setting your holiday stage. I love that. Gratitude, you're
1: garbage. I know. I think it's so (laughs) easy to just be like, I think the way that I do that, um, and I talk this like to death in my cooking classes. People who take my classes a lot are probably so sick of hearing me talk about this. But, <laughs> um, you know, I have a trash bowl. So anytime I'm cooking, I have a trash bowl, one that's edible, one that's not edible. And everything in the edible trash bowl goes into a vegetable broth that's then reused. And everything in the not edible trash bowl, instead of like just throwing it in the garbage, just kind of like because you're cooking and you're doing things quickly, you put it in this bowl. And then at the end of it, you kind of see like how much plastic or how much trash you actually use. And then it's like, it's a two-step process. So then you actually kind of look at that and be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm going to throw that away now instead of just like, cause you, when you're cooking, you could just, you know, just get rid of stuff. And so, um, I love that gratitude, your garbage. And it's such a different way to think about like what your garbage actually is and the term garbage, you know what I mean? Alone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. So, what what are you up to next? Like, what's your next plan? You're in Abu Dhabi right now, right? So,
0: yeah. What's next for you? What's next is probably trying to get back to the U.S. Uh, for like the end of the year, uh, just being at my mom and dad's house. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Spending some time there. Um, hopefully. So I. know if i mentioned this here or whatever but we dave my husband and i live in amsterdam but we are locked out we happened to get stuck outside of the country when the borders closed uh so hopefully we'll be able to get back in in there and go home our dog's there staying with a friend which is sad (laughs) and fine she's happy and wonderful but uh yeah so doing a little bit of that um Bogle Brush is entering its Series A fundraising round. So we launched in CVS this year. Wow. It's so really great to like meet. It's like we're able to meet the consumer who's maybe not as aware of like eco-conscious of yeah. living. And mm-hmm. that's a huge space, right? We have to like expand yeah. our reach. yeah. So anyway, entering in a big fundraising round, which which is fun. So being in the energy of value And, you know, helping decide how do we be a company of impact and how do we direct our company in the direction that we think the world needs to go and then the food freedom project in the Maldives. So building out and sharing stories of, of all the folks. Uh, who who are working there and like what can we learn together you know i have experts in food and maybe even you'll like be someone we can like tap into when we get to the phase of like teaching and sharing and learning from them like learning I mean, each- with each other would love that so, yeah what does food mean right how do we how do we care about our food cuz that's the thing is like with with making impact it's like it goes both ways when you connect with someone you know they're connecting with you and you're connecting with them and yeah. We have these opportunities to learn so much um, from each other and then one other little nugget is I'm opening another eco-empowerment uh, uh, like session at the end of this year so like if you're if anybody's really feeling like how the heck do I get through like eco-anxiety or climate anxiety or if you're feeling like you have Energy built up from the election, and you want to really carry that into the new year. This will yeah. be a great chance. It's like combining science and spirituality um, into how how to find your empowerment. But yeah, I love that. All kinds of stuff. Cooking. Combining
1: science and spirituality. So I will put all that stuff in the show notes. So anyone that wants to oh, get sweet. in touch with you, it'll all be there. Um, so I ask every single guest this, and I'm curious to hear your answer. What is like your final words of wisdom for our audience today.
0: Mm. That you are powerful beyond anything you can imagine. And when you tap into mother earth right through your food, through your feet, through the air, and you see that connection and realize that you are one, that's when we can achieve anything together full body chills Mm. thank you so much
1: all right y'all there you have it thank you so much to heather for being a guest on the show if you guys love this podcast please please share with a friend um share on your social channels and tag me at chef underscore Bay. let me know what you thought of the episode we appreciate you sharing so much as it's helped get the word out there um and yeah y'all are the best community ever if you want to get in touch with heather just go to the show notes and you can find her all of her information and if again if you want to join our cooking classes just head to my website which is also in the show notes I hope you have a really healthy and safe um, end of the year. And I hope you all are taking care of yourselves out there, mental health, physical health, immune systems. Um, I think right now is the most epic time to be taking care of ourselves. So I just wanted to throw that out there to just remember to put you first. All right, you guys, I will see you next week on the Plant Remedy Podcast. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I'll see you soon. Bye.